Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you, Pastor Foster, talking back to me this morning. It's good to have you. And um, I just want to say to the church, as this coronavirus drags on, uh, that I love you and I miss you, and um, I'm going to try to be reaching out to as many folks again this week as I can. There's so many of our folks at home, uh, it just barely, it takes us weeks to kind of reach out to everybody, and then pretty soon it's already been a month and a half or more. And so if you can help, church family, if you're watching online or if you're here this morning, reach out to a couple folks in the church. Just remind them that you love them and that uh, they're part of us and they're important. Uh, I think everybody, it's just a more rough year, and um, we want to love each other and, and be faithful. So I want to just ask you to take time this morning, fill out your connection card. I'm also going to ask you to respond a little bit later in the service. So on this card, and so make sure you have that filled out and ready to go if you'd be so kind. I want to encourage you, uh, this week is Veterans Day, and Pastor Sherry did a bang-up job um, trying to collect as many pictures as she could, and she put them together, and they're in the what's what. So if you don't see that, it's on uh, Facebook, and it comes in the email. So uh, if you're not getting the email, you need to tell us that, but you'll want to see those pictures. Those are uh, pretty cool this week. We are grateful for our veterans, and we're just reminded every day how grateful we are for the freedom that we do have uh, just to worship and, and to be free. So uh, next Sunday is Shoebox Sunday, so be sure uh, to get your shoeboxes in. If you're watching online, those shoeboxes need to be here by Sunday, and remember just to keep the uh, packing or the... Um, shipping part separate. Keep it outside of the box or just put it into the offering or you can do that online if you'd like as well. So it is good to have you in worship today. There is another um, form right here in your seat and I need you to grab it. It's live nativity time. We're about six weeks away. So in May, I had kind of had said in my heart that Corona had to be over by December because we had to do this. It is our one opportunity to share clearly the message of Jesus Christ. So I talked to the camel guy because it's a lot of money. And he assures me that he understands what's going on for everybody. So as long as I call him a week before, which he'll, well, we're going to make a decision by Thanksgiving for sure, uh, that we can cancel and our full deposit will go towards next year. We're not going to lose any money. And um, so we're moving ahead. We're making some changes. If you, you can read all that and what's what. But what I need you to do, I'm going to, the next few weeks, uh, signing up that talks about the changes that we're making this year. And I'm open to your thoughts. If you want to share those with me, you can uh, email me or just call me during the week. And um, sign up for how you can help. Now, if you don't feel like you can help and you can't be in public, uh, but you want to help in another way, you let me know. There's things that we do at the church during the week, getting ready, thing, little jobs that you can help with, and um, more than anything, pray. Pray that this would be blessed by God and it would be fruitful. So uh, I'll just tell you the truth. If we get to the end of the month and Corona's not better, uh, we'll pull the plug. Uh, I care more about us and who we are as a family and that we don't expose everybody.
but I'm just trusting God. He's in all of this. So uh, this morning, I'm going to ask you to pull out your sermon notes. This is the second Sunday of our series, I Love My Church. Last week, we talked about that we are the church. We are the body of believers. It's people. And today, we're going to have a little bit different focus. It's on spiritual gifts today. So grab your message notes. We're going to jump right in. Uh, The first verse is from Ephesians 4.16, and all of these will be on the screen for you. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this is a beautiful picture of the church. And the truth is, when the church is working right, there's nothing like it. Now, I have a problem. I have lots of problems. But I love tools, okay? And it's not because I'm like super mechanical or I build stuff. And I mean, I kind of get it. Like when you got a man tool that like, it's awesome. I have this little wood chipper thing. I just put the sticks in it and it goes to mulch heaven. I love it. It's like the most man tool I got. So I don't trust myself with anything more dangerous than that. But I love tools. Now, the reason I love tools is because they're created with a purpose. They have, they, they do a job. Now, you know, a ratchet uh, is good for a lot of things when you have to take off a nut. But this one, uh, they probably wouldn't trust your life with it. But it's handy dandy. It's got all these pins in it. You never change the head, right? So when I'm working on the lawnmower, I get this one, I stick it in, it fits. If I have to fix the wheel on my bike, it fits. I don't have to go find the 5 eighths and the 3 sixteenths and all of the different socket. It's, that's pretty dandy, handy right there. Now, my dad had one of these growing up, and I thought it was the coolest looking thing in the world. It kind of reminds me of Toy Story and the claw, right? I don't even know what this really is supposed to be used for. I got one with a magnet too, but have you ever dropped something behind the washer or dryer? Oh, this is handy dandy. You just reach down there, you use the claw, you pick it right up. I love a tool because it has a purpose. Now, this guy, when I moved into our our house uh, about four years ago, um, we had this large area that had no grass, and we have zoysia grass at our house, good southern grass. I had to learn the whole southern way of everything. And so I, I read that you could buy sod, and you could buy pieces, and you could buy plugs. Well, this is a plugger. It's square. All I do is I go to the place where the dirt is, I slam it down in the ground, it makes a square, and I spit out the dirt. Then I go somewhere in the yard where there's good grass, I punch me a square, and it fits right in the hole, I squish it in, and in about two years it'll fill up with grass. That right there is a pretty dandy tool, I've got to tell you. So I do love tools. And uh, Ephesians 4.16 says to us that each part does its work. It's like a body. It's like a bunch of tools that have a specific uh, purpose that they're created for. So I hope by the time that we're done this morning that you will clearly understand you were created to serve. You were created with a purpose and you were created and I was created to make a difference. So in the church, we talk about serving. In the world, they often just call it volunteering, right? 
Now, sometimes you'll hear them, we need some volunteers in the church, so we kind of use that word as well, but it means something different in the church. It's more than just filling a task or helping, and if you ever feel that way, I hope this morning will change your mind. Pastor Paul doesn't just need to beg for people to come do some work. I want you to learn what it means to serve, because you were created for this. What we do in the church makes an eternal difference. That's, um, that's going to be our bottom line. But Forbes magazine put out a, an article that was called The Five Surprising Benefits of Volunteering. So this article just really backs up what the Bible's already been teaching us for centuries. This article summarizes a whole bunch of big reports and a bunch of hoopla that studies that they did on volunteering. So I'm just going to share three of the benefits that they came up with. One is volunteering time makes you feel like you have more time. That's what it says. People who volunteered, research found that those who volunteer their time feel like they have more of it. That's interesting because usually the greatest excuse we have for not volunteering is I don't have enough time. Another one was volunteering helps you have a healthier body. I thought, this is just as good as exercise. I might as well just volunteer, right? A corporation for national and community uh, service reported that research demonstrates that volunteering leads to better health, that those who volunteered had a lower mortality rate related to disease and sickness. They have a greater uh, functional ability and a lower rate of depression compared to those who volunteer or don't volunteer. And another benefit was volunteering helps you feel happier. Now, I tried to tell you that the whole time we were doing how to handle life's problems, that if you're stuck and you're depressed and you're down, you need to get your eyeballs off yourself and get your eyeballs on someone else and serve. It helps you. The London School of Economics said that the more people volunteer, the happier they were. It makes you smile, makes you feel good. So remember, this research is from our secular world. We were created to serve. It's what we were made to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created you to do what? Good works. And he created the church. That's what we're talking about. Why I love my church. He created the church as a place for you to make a difference. So here's my, I, I love my church principle there on your notes. My church is where I can make an eternal difference. My church is where I can make an eternal difference. So the Forbes studies that we were referring to talked about volunteering in general. And you can volunteer or serve anywhere and do a lot of good things. But when you volunteer or serve in the church, you make an eternal difference. So let's dig into it just a bit. How do I make an eternal difference with my life? Number one, ask God to use me to make a difference. Ask God to use me. So God created you with a purpose to do good works. And now I'm not talking about... Uh, just to do stuff, but to serve him. There's, there's a difference. 
when you come to him and you say, God, use me, he is going to use you, and he's going to use you in such a way that it makes an eternal difference. It affects eternity, affects other people. Here's the thing. When I talked about tools earlier, this is not a machine. It can't run by itself. This is no good if it's just sitting there. It has to be put into the hand for someone to use it. And I want to suggest to you this morning that we're like a tool and we are no good unless we're in the hand of the master. That's why, uh, I mean, coming to Jesus and saying, use me, God. It's part of growing up and maturing spiritually to realize that God created you and wants to use you. But you must surrender to him so he can use you. I want you to see that it's God's plan and God's design. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you. You surrender to the hand of the master as a tool to be used for his purpose, by his power, and not yourself. This is not something you should be doing. This scripture is not on your notes or on the screen this morning, but it's a familiar scripture from Zechariah 4.6. Not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We're not supposed to serve him because we're just good people and we're good at stuff. God does not want us to do these in our own strength. Listen, it's only by God's spirit that anything of lasting value is accomplished. We think we do good stuff. It's a grain of sand. If it is not of God and by his spirit, God is waiting for you to say, will you use me, Lord? That's what he did with a guy named Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah answers God and he says, Here am I. Use me. Send me, God. God wants to use you to make an eternal difference. Are you ready to say yes. Are you ready to say, God, use me? So how do I make an eternal difference with my life? I ask God to use me. And secondly, I activate or activate my unique gifts to make a difference. Activate my unique gifts. Now, understand this really is not us activating anything. Okay? When we become Christians... God activates inside of us unique gifts that we call spiritual gifts that he enables with his strength and his power so that we can be used and make an eternal difference. It's of God. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, Every Christian, every Christian receives spiritual gifts. But I want to be clear. God gives us those gifts. God activates those gifts when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, when we become followers of Jesus. Now, spiritual gifts typically, they're not unfamiliar to us. Sometimes they're gifts that aren't really foreign to us. It's things that maybe we're already good at. It can be passions 
that we already have in our hearts. But now God comes along, he activates them, he adds his power and his blessing so that you can use these uh, gifts to make a difference. Again, an eternal difference. It's going to change the world and the kingdom. Now, sometimes our spiritual gifts can be something that comes easy to you, but maybe not someone else. You don't even notice it's so easy for you and not someone else who was a fella got pulled over by the policeman because he had a broken taillight. And as the policeman's coming up the side of the car, he happens to look in the back, and he sees a whole bunch of knives laying on the back seat. He said, sir, what's with all the knives? He says, "Uh, well, that's my knife collection, and I use them for juggling. And the policeman's like, yeah, prove it. So the guy gets out of the car, and uh, he starts juggling the knives, and about that time, a car comes by with two fellas in it, and the one man says, man, I'm glad I quit drinking. These new sobriety tests are hard, right? What was easy to the juggler wasn't easy to the other guy. So it might be something that just comes easy to you, and it's something that's natural. Another way to explain spiritual gifts sometimes is that they're kind of like having a knack for doing something. But now, God enables it. It's God-given. It's uh, spirit-empowered, and God wants to use it to minister to others in the church and to change his kingdom. Now, I said all that to say it might be in there already. On the other hand, on the other side of the coin, it is possible that you may have gifts, spiritual gifts, that you don't even know that you have. It took me many years before I discovered some of the spiritual gifts in my life. I never thought I would be a pastor or a leader. But now I can look back and I can see those gifts and I can see how God opened that up and helped me to grow in those areas. But I didn't always know it. Usually every Christian has at least one primary gift and most people have two or three secondary gifts. They're just kind of mixed up. It's kind of like our personalities. You're not all one personality. You have this main trait and a few other things. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6 through 6 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Many gifts, different gifts, same God. Now, in the Bible, there's not one place that you can go to and find the complete list of spiritual gifts are kind of broke up, but I, in your notes, I gave you two references that you can go back and look at later. We've already been reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you read the verses before and the verses after, you're going to find a pretty good list of spiritual gifts, and then you can go over to Romans 12, 6 through 8, and you'll find another group of spiritual gifts listed. As you leave today, if you're interested, I have, I tried to do this online, and we're getting ready to update the website And so there was a free thing that we could do online, but we couldn't put it on there yet. So you get a paper copy. I have some spiritual gift tests this morning. I have uh, one version for adults and one version for youth. So uh, Michelle's going to have them at the back door, something that was free online. Pick it up, and that's something I want you to consider to take home and complete. Now, what these are, these tests are just a series of questions that you can use to evaluate your life, to evaluate your passions, and things that you're good at. It'll help you understand a little bit better 
of what your spiritual gifts might be. Now, on this uh, inventory, it clearly gives you the website. It's called spiritualgifttest.com. If you go there, there is a great list of spiritual gifts. The gifts are lifted, there's a, uh, listed. There's a whole bunch of um, references that explain and good definitions of what each spiritual gift really uh, is. So in your notes this morning, you're also going to see a list of spiritual gifts. And we're going to take a few, few minutes to do just a really quick general overview. And when I'm done describing them, as you notice, there's some little slots next to them. I want you to go back, and I want you to put a number one by what you think might be your primary gift, a number two, and a number three by what you think would be your secondary gifts, kind of in that order. So uh, as I go through them, if something seems to stand out to you as I'm describing you, oh, yeah, that is me. I'm a lot like that. Just make a mark next to it so you know that when we get ready to finalize this, you're like, oh, I had seven but which one of these seven are the best, right? So just make a little mark so you know to come back to it. Now, I can say to you, typically, doing this this morning, you do this quick little test, you take the other one home, there's a good chance they're going to be pretty close. We'll find out. You let me know next week when you take the test. So first of all is the gift of administration. This is probably the person who uses administration or, or administration. Uh, administrative gifts and organizing gifts in their career, and then they bring them into the church. They like to help organize. They help things run smooth. They really know how to put things together in a way that works. This person is able to steer uh, the course for a group of people, and they like to organize and direct and implement plans. They're goal and task-oriented and concerned with details and organization. Now, administration is not my top gift, but I see myself in this a lot. I used to drive Pastor Mark crazy, and I know he'll be watching this later. Pastor Mark is an inspiration guy, and you've got to have that. I am the detail guy. How are we going to get there? What steps do we have to take and what's involved? So sometimes I'd bring him down because... He's flying up here, and I'm down here with the details. You've got to have both, right? So the problem is, even though I see myself, I see myself being able to steer the course for a group of people. That's why I took this job. I was pretty sure God was lining me up, and I thought, I can do this, and I can't go into all the reasons why, how God's shown me this gift, uh, but he has. The problem is, even though I have a lot of this, my ADD really hinders the organization part, right? Just ask Pastor Sherry. She shakes her head every day. Pastor Paul, you're bouncing off the wall. I can't even write it down fast enough. I admire people who really have this gift. I thank God for Michelle Guerreri. If you don't know her, you are going to know her in the next few weeks because she is the right arm of the nativity. Last year, Michelle came to me. She has the gift of administration. She took probably 70%, uh, 75% of my workload away. She says, Pastor Paul, why don't you let me take care of that? I'll contact all of the volunteers. I will schedule them. She puts them in an Excel spreadsheet. She knows what shift you're supposed to work on, which day, and where everyone is. And during the thing, of course, I missed her details. I'm like, uh, Michelle, I walked by the kings. At one of the She says, covered, got it. There wasn't, covered, got it. She 
awesome. I can't even, I, I, can't, I just saved my life. Listen, another gift is the gift of discernment. This is also the gift of discerning of spirits or distinguishing between spirits. This is someone who's able to distinguish, discern, judge, or appraise. Now, it could be judging and appraising a person or a statement or a situation or an environment. So when someone is facing a decision, they can go to a person that has this gift, and that person can discern what they feel like is the best biblical path. For you to take. It's not their opinion. They don't focus on what society says. It's discernment about what the scripture says. So discernment, you can read more about that one online, but they have that ability to know. They just know. There's the gift of encouraging. This one's easy. Uh, you make people feel better if you've got this gift. You lift them up, you build them up, you encourage and you strengthen others in their walk with God. That one's a pretty easy one. There's the gift of giving. Now, there's several of these gifts that overlap because uh, every Christian is called to give. We're called to give of our tithes and our offerings, but the person with the gift of giving goes above and beyond. It's like this gift is supercharged in their life. Uh, it has nothing to do with how much money you make. It's about your desire to give. The gift of giving is usually characterized by wanting to encourage or wanting to provide, uh, giving all the credit to God. It's not about them. They give sincerely. They give generously. They give without pretense or hypocrisy. That's the gift of giving. The gift of leadership. This one's pretty easy uh, for you to figure out as well. If you have the gift of leadership, then somebody must be following you, Right? John Maxwell says, if nobody is following you, you are only taking a walk, right? You probably don't have the gift of leadership. Now, there's a lot taught today about leadership, even uh, in the church, but even in the secular world. But this gift has a little bit different slant when it comes to the spiritual gift side. It's closely related to the pastor-shepherd gift and those areas of gifts and to administration, the person does have some ability, sounds like me a little bit, has, a, has some ability to organize and lead. But here's the kicker. Yet always at the heart of it is the concern for people and relationships with those people. This is where I feel like I fit in because I have a heart for this church and I have a heart for you. I do want the church to go from here to here but the issue is, I don't just want you to get in line and follow me. I want us to get there together. I want to make sure I care about you. This morning, more than anything, I want you to understand that those seats were not made for your fanny to get comfortable. It's a place to come and worship, and then you're supposed to learn how to serve. You were created for this. My concern for you is to understand to have the best life in Jesus, is to learn that this is how you're created, and you're a part of this. I care about you. My, the staff, I didn't hire them just to do a job. I care about them. I love them. I want them to sense God. I want them together for us to sense where God is leading us. It's more than just leading. It's about relationship. Now, you might say, I'm not a leader, but you might have the gift of shepherding. That means that you may not be leading the way, 
but you're really good at taking care of people. Uh, just like a shepherd cares for and he looks out for a sheep. Many of you know um, Pastor Lewis is one of our retired pastors. He had the gift of shepherding. He loved and cared for his flock. There's the gift of teaching. This person has an important responsibility. Listen, Scripture's very clear. Be careful, not all of you should want to be teachers because you're going to be held to a higher level of accountability. This person has an important responsibility. They're entrusted to communicate what the Bible says, what it means, and how it applies to our lives. One of the ways that you, you know that you have the gift of teaching is that you love to study the word. If you're going to teach the scripture, you have to study the scripture. You've got to dig in to the scripture. This person wants to know what God has to say, not just their own opinion. Then there's the gift of evangelism. Again, every believer should share their faith. But in, like in a few weeks, all of us are going to have the opportunity to begin handing out cards and inviting people to the live nativity. But this person with the gift of evangelism, they are passionate. They have a deep burden for reaching the lost. And usually, they have an extra measure of faith and, a, and an effectiveness in this area. Where you and I are shaken in our boots, right? No fear. They are comfortable. And somehow people are drawn to them. And when they talk to them about Jesus, they are easy, they're easy for them to lead people to Christ. That might be you if you have the gift of evangelism. The gift of faith, another one. All of us are called to have faith. Faith in Jesus to save us from our sins. Faith to live for him. But this person seems to seem um, to be able to see further. To see deeper than the, most of, the rest of us. And they, uh, they're good to pull the rest of us along with them. They have a clear sense of confidence, certainty, trust, and insurance, assurance in God and what they think God's going to do. When we lived in uh, North Carolina, our son Jordan was born. Both of our children were born on a Sunday, and Christy was in labor 20-some hours with both, so the whole church knew uh, it was coming, right? So when Jordan came out, one side of his chest was was inflated and heaved up, and the other side was flat. They immediately whooshed him away. Christy didn't get to see him. We were in the elevator, and all the way up, uh, they were saying, birth defect this, birth defect that. It was one of the worst days of my life. I was so scared as a first-time daddy. And I, I remember that I went out to the uh, waiting room, and there was a couple there, Rodney and Janice, very spirit spirit. Uh, led and filled people that loved Jesus. And Rodney came right up to me. He says, Pastor Paul, I want you to know something. I've prayed and I've talked to Jesus about Jordan, and he told me he is going to be all right. Rodney had the gift of faith, and I can't go into his whole story, but when Rodney told me that, I had peace. I thought, Rodney knows. Rodney trusts God. Then there's the gift of hospitality. I don't have this gift too well. Uh, it, it, Christy and I, it really would give us an ulcer, right? Now, we love to have people to our home, but it just, it's nerve-wracking to us. That means this group, uh, you love to host people if you have the gift of hospitality. You love to make people feel at home. 
you might volunteer as a greeter in the church, and you want to make sure that everyone has a great experience and people are comfortable when they come to the church. Uh, this person probably is really good at throwing a party, right? I think of Miss Gina uh, since I've been here. She's always having a bar. During Corona, even, we've had barbecues in her backyard. She doesn't stress over it all, man. And she loves to have people around. She has that gift of hospitality. Now, the gift of mercy. This one is easy to spot on someone who doesn't have it. Just look for Mr. and Mrs. Heartless, right? And I would call you by name this morning, but I know I would get in trouble. You know who you are. Someone with the gift of mercy is just the opposite. They're very patient and very compassionate toward people going through a difficult time and who are suffering. This person is very concerned about the spiritual and the physical needs of someone who's hurting. Uh, the gift of serving or helping. This just means that you're willing to pitch in and help out. You're willing to do whatever's needed. This person loves God, and he, they want to help the church reach others. But listen, they don't want to be in the spotlight. Okay? They're willing to do all the other tasks that needed to get done and let someone else with those other gifts get up there and do that other stuff. The gift of helps. At camp, uh, Pastor Chet Rowan goes to United. I love Chet. I'm camp director. I was camp director last year, and we had a little boy with some bowel problems. Ooh, did it smell. And I was helping Chet, and the little boy was getting a shower, and this happened multiple times during the week, and I held those shorts in my hand, and I have to be honest, my spiritual gift and my stomach have a limit when it comes to service and helps. I've done it before, but when that lump reaches here, I'm about at the end, and Chet just looked at me and said, Pastor Paul, you've got other things. Let me do that. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Chet has a gift of helps. When we were in Ohio, as kids pastor, you learn to get the shot, you go to the pharmacy and you say, what flu shot has like 12 strains in it? I want that when I work with kids, right? Every bug that comes around, every week kids are getting sick with something else. And this Sunday morning, our, our children's check-in area was carpeted. There was no hardwood floors anywhere, no laminate. And this little boy came in and he upchucked all over the carpet. So he turned around, and his mom was trying to rush him to the bathroom about halfway. He threw up again. I have never seen so much fluid come out of a three-foot child in my life. She kept rushing him to the bathroom, and as they turned the door, he didn't quite make it, and he threw up all down the door and all in the tile. And so I went across the hall from the bathroom. It's one of our adult classes, and Miss Kathy Mask was in there, and she was an ICU nurse. I said, Miss Kathy, I need you. Now, I've picked up chunks out of carpet before, but this was too much. You know it's bad when an ICU nurse comes in and she looks and she goes, ooh, right? That's the gift of helps. And then we have the gift of wisdom or counseling. This person is well-grounded in the word, and they can help guide others in the right spiritual, uh, with the right spiritual perspective. That means they can walk alongside one and help them to stay on the right path biblically and to find God's will. Now listen, that's just a quick overview. Uh, the inventory, if you pick that up when you go home, I'm going to tell you about the inventory. In the back, there's a chart. Don't be peeking at the back. Answer all the questions first. When you get to the back, 
It's going to tell you to put all your scores in there, and then it'll add them up, and it'll say, if you have high numbers in this area, this is where your gifts are. So here's what I want you um, to do this morning. Just give it your best guess, if you will. Spiritually speaking, what do you think is your primary gift? Label them one, two, and three. This is just for you. It's not for a grade. We're not going to show them to anyone else. Just put a one, two, or three beside the gifts that you think you have strengths and abilities. And it's at least going to give you an idea of where your spiritual gifts may lie. I want to encourage you to pick up the other um, test and take it home with you, and that'll help you more. So how do we use these spiritual gifts? Now, there's two kind of people in this world, in my mind. There's pastor people, and then there's normal people. And there's many days that I look at Christianity, I say, I just wish we were normal people, Right? Normal people, Christians, believers, have spiritual gifts, but that means you've got a normal job. You've got a normal career, and you go work that career all day. But then God still gives you gifts to use in the church. However, God does call some people to make their profession and their career in the church. Now, just like I have spiritual gifts, when God called me to be a pastor, my career was to serve the church. We have students from SWU that are studying ministry. God is calling them to make their career in the church. Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. God calls some uh, people to ministry as a career. And, uh, but listen, God gives us all spiritual gifts. I have spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts because we're believers in Jesus. Those gifts come together in the church that we attend. So we ask God to use us. We ask um, and to use the gifts that he's activated in us. The next step that we have to take is to adjust my schedule to make a difference. Adjust my schedule. This is about fanning in the seats, people. So even though we ask God to use us, even though we have unique gifts, we still must make serving a priority. I see a lot of people that want to serve. They want to be used by God, and they want to make an eternal difference. But listen, they're just too busy. For most Christians, it's not an issue of being busy doing the wrong things. It's just choosing too many other things, right? It's not like you're being bad people. There's just too much to do, too many good things to choose from. And one of the trade-offs that you make as a maturing Christian is that you say no to some good things so you can say yes to the best things. Maybe you're always wanted to serve on Sunday. I mean, you made it to church. Um, you've always wanted to do, do more than just show up. You know, you could. That's what this is about. You could be an usher or a greeter or talk to Pastor Natasha about being part of the worship team or helping Pastor Heath and the crew up with the, with the tech stuff or work in the nursery or the kids' department or security. And there's a whole bunch of other jobs that we're not even using right now during corona, Right? There's a lot of ways to get involved. And if you're going to do that, that means you have to say no to some other really good things that you could do on Sunday. So you could say yes to serving and making an eternal difference. You have to choose it. You have to clear the schedule. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are you willing to adjust your schedule to fulfill God's best for your life. You were created for this. Some of you have not quite experienced it yet in your life the way you should. 
If you really don't have a place to serve here at the church, let me encourage you to take that step to learn more this morning about serving. Take the spiritual gifts test. I want you to grab your connection card. If that's you and you don't have a place, I want you to write on the back of your card, I want to serve. Right? Just write, I want to serve. When we're going through the cards, I'm going to put your name on the list, and me and the other pastors are going to follow up with you. This is our job. Our job is to make sure that you know your gifts and you know where it is that you can sail and you can be great for God. Maybe you used to serve, but life got busy and things changed in your life, but now you're ready to jump back in. Take that step and let us help you find a place to get plugged in and use your gifts to make an eternal difference. Just write on your card, I want to serve. So how do I make an eternal difference? I ask God to use me. He activates my unique gifts. I adjust my schedule. And the last point on your notes there is accept God's blessing when I make a difference. Accept God's blessing. There are some amazing blessings that come when you're willing to serve. We talked about some of those that even the world volunteering has benefits. I want to I want you to hear me this morning. Nothing we do for God is ever wasted. Nothing we do for God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Listen, always, always, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Nothing we do for the Lord is ever wasted. Well, how does that work? Well, one way to think about this idea um, is that every act of service that a Christian does is like a link in a chain uh, for God's salvation. I'm going to use the uh, nativity as an example of this, okay? So when we start the nativity, you've got a group of people that spend months, weeks, and months, and hours making costumes, right? And we got to make some new ones. Natasha and Brent showed up, and, and um, Brent's big guy, so we're going to make a bigger Joseph. This is how, this is how it works, right? So Ms. I've already told Miss Kay, get the sewing machine warmed up. Some people uh, make costumes, and then some will come into the office because we run off information, and we have to cut it, and then we stuff these bags and, to give to the people. So some people will come to the office, and they'll do their part. Some will come and help us put labels on over a thousand postcards that we'll mail and put the stamps on those postcards. Uh, there'll be people that will come and help us individually bag over a thousand cookies. I think actually last year we did more than 1,500 cookies. People will come and help, uh, help me uh, string lights along the path, a ton of LED lights. Some will take the tanks down to ACE and get all of our propane tanks filled that we use in our heaters. Uh, some will, are going to be helping. Some of the guys are going to help uh, seal the barn roof. Some are going to come and redo some of the wood that's been rotting and, and, and to fix the barns up a little bit more. Uh, we got some that'll come and spread mulch. We got some that are going to come and start laying out the drop cords and start putting all the lights where they need to go. There's some that are going to put the tree stands up so our angels can be up in the trees, right? And then we have um, those that'll volunteer to be the angels and the ones that'll be the shepherds and the ones that'll be the king, the ones that'll be the guides and they're going to guide everyone through. And then our our storytellers, our narrators, they're going to tell the story, the Christmas story about the kings and the shepherds and the angels and the manger. And then you've got those who will be in the prayer tent. You've got those who are going to be parking cars. You've got the hospitality people that are going to be greeting everyone, make sure they have a great time and they feel welcome on our campus. You've got um, 
you've got people that are going to watch over the animals, feed them and care for them and put them up at night and clean out the stalls before the next day. There's a lot of poo-poo in there. And then someone's tending to the fires. We have fire pits, and someone's job is just to make sure those keep burning and make sure the wood is in there. And then um, someone else has to bring out the portable heaters every night, and then they've got to put them back when it's all over. Listen, in this process, all of these people are being blessed in what they do as they serve. They're a link in this chain that leads others to others being blessed. And it also has to do with salvation. Now, if it's like last year, over 2,000 people will come through our property in three nights. Can you imagine? It's crazy fun. Crazy fun. They're going to hear the story of Jesus, how he was born, how he died, how he rose again, how he's the answer for their life. And just imagine the year we've had and people come and hear that message of hope. That's why I'm not sure it's supposed to be canceled. I'm just praying God shows us what to do. Some may stop by the prayer tent to be prayed for. And like last year, Pastor Heath came over for one, for one night to visit. I kind of had it in my mind. I was going to ask him to come on staff. So I thought, why don't you come over and help us with the nativity? And one night, Pastor Heath was able to lead a little boy to Jesus Christ in the prayer tent. Some, are, um, some might return on another Sunday because you were so kind and generous to them. They're like, I've got to check this group out, this Pickens View Wesleyan Church. What's it about? We never know how many people will be, uh, have their eternities changed because people volunteered and served in so many different ways. We have no idea how God is going to use all of our gifts and our service to make an eternal difference. We don't know. We're a link in a chain in helping others find Jesus as their Savior and the Lord. Nothing we ever do for the Lord is wasted. Even if you're the stamp putter on her. So I want to give you a challenge. Get involved. Take a chance. Find a place to serve. You were created for this. And when you start to live in your purpose, you'll find joy like you've never known. Think about it. Pray about it. Take a spiritual gifts test home and complete it. And then let the pastors know. Give us a call and say, hey, I think this is what God's showing me about my spiritual gifts, and I think this is how I want to serve in the church. You let us know so we can help you. God is waiting for you to say, Use me, Lord. Use me. So we wrap up. Let me share two powerful verses with you, promises of God's blessing in your life. The first one comes from Luke, and it's talking about how they would measure grain in a basket. And it says, whatever, whatever measure you use is how it'll be measured back to you. So if you're stingy, and that's how it's going to be measured to you. But if you're overflowing and you freely give, give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Give freely to God. I'm going to tell you, he has blessed my life in so many ways. I'm a grateful man, right? I can never repay God, but he takes care of me. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. We need to be about God's business. I pray you'll choose today to make an eternal difference with your life. Don't be a pew setter. Don't just take up space and suck in oxygen. God stands ready to bless you if you'll ask him to use you. Let's pray together this morning. 
Father, I want to thank you that you created us to do good works. And Lord, I pray today for every person who's thinking about taking the next step and getting involved and figuring out what is this spiritual gift thing and what kind of supernatural powers did God put in me and what's my purpose. I pray that you will help them find a place to serve and that they will sense your help and your power and your blessing. God, it changes us when we take this step of faith and trust you. Some of us just need to grow up. I know growing up in the church, Lord, I was not taught a lot about spiritual gifts. I don't want that to be so at Pickens View. I want everyone to know how they were created and that they were made for something awesome and to change eternity. God, use those who are willing to be used, I pray. Help them to discover their gifts. Give them help. Help them to say yes to you. Let them be used of you today, God. I want to thank you that we are your church. And the church is the place that you have designed for us to use our gifts to make an eternal difference. Thank you, Jesus, we pray. Pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.